welcome to episode 116 of the Premium Edition Games Playcast! The ultimate collecting episode during the holidays, when you have no more free money. <laughs> or do we? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, um, so it's interesting, Barry, we were just chatting offline, but... Um, we're talking about New Year's resolutions and potentially moving back to the Switch Mania Playcast name. So who knows? Let us know in Anchor if you want us to. We always say that every time. And sometimes we get some voices, sometimes we don't. But at anchor.fm you can record or you can leave us a message in Discord. Should we call ourselves the Switch Mania Playcast and focus on these fun Nintendo Switch themed episodes? Or should we just do general collecting as we have the last year? Um, it's I enjoy talking Switch more. Um, however, we are starting PlayStation with premium, so I don't know. What do you think, Barry? I mean, I'm a collector of everything, even though, you know, I'm obviously heavily into the Switch. I collect and I play everything, and I think, you know, personally, I just like talking game collecting and the gaming industry as a whole, so I'm, I'm fine with whatever everybody else wants. Cool. Um, yeah, so let's see. Let's take a general quorum. We'll, we'll post it up in the Discord chat, and... If you leave, if you're listening here and, you know, want to leave a voice message on Anchor.fm, you can do that. Um, but let's uh, do some premium updates. Bum, bum, bum. Craziness, right? Um, things have been nuts. Um, our Black Friday sales were, were awesome. Thank you, everybody, for your support. Um, hopefully, everybody got their games in the mail, right? Because everything was in hand. Um, everything just sh- shipped out uh, yeah. this week. We did some awesome Christmas ornaments, which I got mine in the mail, which are really cool. Apparently, I forgot to peel the uh, protective film off of it, so they're super like bright when you do that. <laughs> when you protect, when you take off the film. <laughs> um, and we do have up, which is an interesting piece. Our new, our newest thing, which is uh, we are publishing a music album for the non-playable characters. It's from an album called Auto Saving. Um, really video game themed, but it's more like, I would say Final Fantasy meets like an anime soundtrack almost. It's really cool. Um, one thing I didn't think about, Barry, which, um, Joe on our team, our marketing team brought up, uh, we never put up any videos or any music so people could listen to the damn album. So I was like, oh, that might, uh, help out. So, um, there are now three of the tracks up on our website that you can listen to some of their music it's actually from their youtube channel and it has lyrics on there too so you can see that um yours truly had did a voiceover at the end of one of the tracks um it's like a tribute to final fantasy 7 and on the uh, train which is pretty cool um but it's a really fun album. Um, I don't know if you had any time yet, Barry, to listen to the album, or you're gonna wait till you got it in the mail. Uh, no, I haven't listened to it yet, and uh, haven't gotten it yet. So yeah, you're gonna wait till you get it in the mail. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but there are tracks up on the website, so everybody can listen to it. Really cool. Um, the guy who um, reached out to me, he's heavily involved in the homebrew and creation community. Um, he has done a lot of hand. Um, wood-burned boxes and things. So he did, like, comprehensive Final Fantasy boxes. He worked on some boxes for Black Box Challenge, like, ten years ago for me. That's how he knew me. Um, and his name was Heatman online. Um, but, like, yeah, he does, like, hand-burnt wood-burning, which is really cool. So that, and he supported the community for multiple years, and then he, uh, is the drummer for the band. So, 
Really, really cool opportunity. Um, and the CDs are in hand and shipping, so you can get them. And in the future, we will have a vinyl available, probably like, I think it's like March, April is the estimated ship date on that, because it takes a while to produce a vinyl. But super cool, super fun. Um, we're just trying it out, trying out some albums. We're not gonna be doing a ton of them, but if an opportunity presents itself to support the community, we will. So. That's a fun one. Um, let's see, what other production updates? Oh, how about Rain on Your Parade and Wonderling uh, will be arriving at our warehouse next Tuesday at the time of this recording. So right before Christmas, we should be able to begin our shipping, which means those of you that pre-ordered Wonderling DX and ran on your parade should start receiving your games shortly after Christmas, hopefully before the New Year's, um, which is super great news. And once we have everything shipped out, we should have a second chance sale going up. Uh, for those of you that may have missed out, is still the first printing for these as well, Barry. Yeah, looking forward to getting these out there because people have been waiting, and I think it's really important to get series four out there uh, so many people have been asking what you know they're going back on the site i missed it how did i miss it mm -hmm. um so to get them back in the site for those that missed it and to get them in hand uh it's gonna be interesting you know looking forward to new unboxing videos and and challenges and just a lot of fun yeah, it's um, always the, the challenging thing um, when we're a smaller publishing company is, you know, the fact that we can't keep things up indefinitely um, because otherwise, I mean, we can't just keep printing games nonstop. So once we order our print run, uh, we have a finite amount of games to deal with. And, you know, based on the demand of pre-orders is how we gauge how many we're ordering as well. So the support everybody gets us and gives us is, you know, refle is reflective of how many copies we order. So it's an interesting thing where when people reach out to you, Barry, I, we feel bad because it's like, well, we would love for you to get a copy of the game. But right now we don't know. Um, yep. What was it, Orbody, that, that hit into that one where there's been a huge demand after the copies got shipped out, and we're like, uh, well, we're going to have to do a whole other printing of that because we are out. We are out um, of copies. Another one is uh, Ego Allen Twist, the retro edition, mm -hmm. um, comes out, and I don't know if we even have any that we're going to have a second chance sale on, and people have been asking for it. And to, you know, The best thing I could tell people is to follow us on social media, Mm -hmm. okay, sign up for our newsletter, join our Discord. We'll make announcements as things go live and when things are going to go up. Uh, we don't. Want, I don't like emails saying, hey, I missed this. Is there any chance to get it? I want to get those emails of, hey, I saw this was up. I was able to get it, and I just want to thank you for it. Those are the kind of emails I want to get. Yeah, and you know, for clarity of those that are listening, um, it's we try to gauge based on the first month. And so once we hit the first month, we know how many copies we're going to be able to do, and then we cap it out. So then we left up copies of Eagle Island based off of the demand of the first month of pre-orders as we're ordering things. So we place the order. Once we place the order, that stock is in order, so we're, it's, it's in process at that point. So if everybody waits to order, that might be why we're seeing one of these, you know, this, this different thing where people are reaching out to you, Barry. 
Um, and as people realize that's kind of how it works, it'll all even out in the in the future. Just just remember those that are you know those those of you that are listening are likely you know not part of this. Um, but that is how we're doing it. Is that it's, it allows us to predict and gauge our production numbers and things. It's it's how a small company needs to do it to survive in this market. Stuff's crazy out here, Barry. Oh, ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. I mean, and the thing is, is we have more games coming up. You mentioned Series Four. There's one more game in Series Four, and that's yep. Wreck and Ruin. Um, everything has been ordered and is in printing. Um, the cartridges have already arrived at our um, assembly where uh, production warehouse. Um, what we're waiting on is some print items to arrive. Um, one thing that's going to be really cool is we, you because know, we tend to do stuff at premium that we don't announce or, or market uh, just to surprise people. Rack and Ruin is going to be the first time. The retro box is going to be embossed, which means that Super Nintendo looking box that we have with um, the retro box is actually going to pop out at you in 3D. I can't wait to see so, that. We tried to do it with the, um, the slip cases as well, but because we had upgraded the quality, the way they do that process, there would have been like bubbles or something and it would not have turned out well. So we weren't able to do it with the current iteration of slipcases. They're looking into it for the future. Um, but they weren't able to do it for the current iteration. Um, but is we're, we're trying to do as many cool things as we possibly can. Um, there's spot varnishes and stuff. I don't know if you know what that is, Barry, like a spot varnish. But, no, I don't know what that is. So um, a spot varnish would be something like the Robot Name Fight uh, Premium Guide where you have like some foil on there. You got like the logo and the Robot Name Fight character that are spot varnished and everything around it's soft touch. Gotcha. So like it gives it like a, a tactile feel to it. And we may be able to do that with our slipcases. Um, so I'm, we're looking into that as well, just to do fun stuff. And it has to be for what, what makes sense for that release in that game. Um, but the thing is, is that like, it's really fun doing all the different little production pieces and seeing what we can, what we can do. That's just fun and representative of what the developers want. Um, some things that we have done too, is that, you know, we have sat with, uh, the They Bleed Pixels and the Raji developers. Um, and we sit down and go over every single physical item before we order. So um, Tristan on the design team and I sat, and it's like five-hour conversations, Barry, that we're sitting there with them, going over every single detail to make sure it is perfectly in alignment with what their dream release is. That's where I think we as a, you know, as a publisher are going to stand out because like ours is about attention to detail and really taking you know um care of our developers that's what we want to do right Barry? oh absolutely i think that's what we've always tried to do i mean just working with the developers with the challenge card and and everything every piece of art has been approved by the developers we want them to be involved we want them to have their dream game and uh, we're going to continue to raise that bar, and we're going to continue to work with developers. And uh, you know, it's it's great hearing back from them when they get their copies, and 
just how thrilled they are and, and how impressed they are and how it's it's blown them away because that's what we shoot to do. You know, this is their game, their baby, and they trust us to uh, to put these out. We want to make sure that we do a good job. Well, and you know, it's like I don't like sh- throwing shade on anybody else doing publishing, but I mean, there's too many times over the years that I've seen copy and paste templates of covers and manuals and everything else where the manual is a single fold or, you know, of the art. You can just tell if it's something where it was just, you know, the same thing for multiple different games that aren't even associated. And to me, it's like, did the developer really want that or not? And over the last two, over two years now, Barry, which is freaking crazy, by the way, um, we just hit over our second year anniversary for premium. But um, over like over the last couple of years, I, I haven't seen any developer want the same thing as another one. <laughs> so, no. so I mean, it's just that little extra attention to detail and care is something that we will always strive for. Um, as we add PlayStation to the mix, that's going to double our you know requirements from a production side. Um, instead of just moving faster and cutting corners... Uh, we're just going to bring on another designer, another team member, and we have we had put this out. I think throughout the you know 2022, uh, throughout the year that we were like, hey, we're looking for team members for stuff. That's what we do is that we will expand and find more people that understand what we're about, and then they'll be on the team and help us grow. And then that way we have more people that are able to you know get things created. That's where like Tristan on our team, he's like awesome. He's like right on the same parallel as we are, which is like perfect fit. And Ryan, who's on our team, um, he's the same way, and he's he's actually working on some PlayStation stuff right now for us. And so it's great as we expand, and then we always have myself and Barry in there that can, you know, ensure that things don't lose that uh, that premium touch. If that's if that's a key term, I don't think it is, but maybe it is now. <laughs> Spe- Speaking of, of Tristan, this is something to look forward to. We're hoping to make it work uh, for mm-hmm. our next presentation, which is going to be our PlayStation State of Premium. I, I had a killer idea. I contacted Tristan, talked with him. He loves it, and he's going to try and have it working out. And if we could get it to work out for the state of premium, it's going to be a really cool uh, mm. thing we're going to be doing that uh, I can't wait to, sh- to share with everybody. But uh, just wow. something to look forward to. All I know is one thing with Tristan, too, is that he is, like, really cool at doing video and trailers and design mm-hmm. things. So, like, the Hagen's Alley Switch Collector trailer, Switch Collector Volume 2 Part 2 trailer is all Tristan, and he it's so cool. I, he does them, like, really fast, too. I'm like, how do you get this done so Like, he's so <laughs> talented. Like, it's awesome. I can't even... I actually don't know, for the listeners, I don't know what Barry's talking about, which is great, because nope. it'll be a surprise for me, too. Surprise. I love that. I love that stuff. It's gonna be cool. Um, and it, that's the stuff that gets me excited, too, is, like, we're, we're, like, living the dream. Like, when you see us at conventions, we're, like, we're not a limited company, we're a small company, and we're literally living the dream. We're getting to... You know, make things physical, make video games permanent, and support game developers. And how we feel is if we take care of the game developers and ensure that they're, you know, compensated fairly, they're going to want to make more games. And then we get more games for all of us to play. Like, it's a win-win. Like, we preserve it, and they want to make more games. Like, it's living a dream, man. Speaking of more games, more Series games. 6 for oh, Switch oh. is... 
Oh, so good. And Series 7 is looking really good, too. And I uh, can't wait to talk about that stuff soon. No, there are some <laughs> really cool titles that we're, that we're bringing out. And I feel like, you know, as we... You know, announce games like They Bleed Pixels and Raji and Eagle Island Twist and Love 3 and like the stuff that's in Series 5. Like, we're setting the bar high. Well, we want to maintain that high quality like all the time. And I mean, we've had amazing games before that too, but it's like we just continually like are maintaining a high quality standard because I mean, heck, still Phenotopias is madness so it's like we still have people asking us about that because it's starting to sell out people i think because people have gotten this expectation from us because we do go slowly and the one thing i will say is because we go slowly obviously we curate the games we put out uh if there's a game that we're putting out that's not your style that's okay but if you're curious you can trust that it's going to be a good game and I hope mm-hmm. you try out games, even out of your comfort zone, or maybe they don't look what you would expect or what you like. I hope you give them a try, because that's something I've seen so many times with the challenge cards, where people do the challenge because they want the patch, and they wind up sending in an email or posting um, that this game, whatever it is, has become their new favorite game. They love it now. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I want to see more of that. Like All these games we stand behind, all these games are just top-tier and that's why when so many people say, what's your favorite? And I don't have a favorite because I love all the games equally. And when, when I say Series 6 and Series 7 are, are just going to blow you away, I mean it because, like Jeff said, we want to keep that quality high. We want to give you the, the creme de la creme, as I say. Yeah. And I think we're going to do that. Um, one thing, too, that we can talk about since we always pull back the curtain um, on the Playcast is um, now we did move a little faster than we normally did with Series 5. And Series 5 has more games than normally would. That is only because we had the opportunity to work with RetroWare. Um, They had come around and said that their games are ready, um, and they were excited to work with us, and we were excited to work with them. So when Eagle Island Twist and Love 3 were ready and already made it through Lot Check, we were like, man... This is cool. Let's go. Um, so that technically scooted in there mid-cycle, and we added it to Raji and They Bleed Pixels for a pre-order. So we're doing all of those titles together. The difference is is that RetroWare is also heavily involved with a lot of the um, the design and production and stuff. They're very, very interactive which is awesome um so it's not gonna add any time to any of the production for raji or they blue pixels or anything it's just we have four games barry instead of instead of two because this one was going to be a two game series um and so that being said we're gonna give you know switch a little bit of time as we get these four games in production and shipped out to everyone and we're going to focus on getting some playstation out to everyone um and then after you know that we will then move probably what we're thinking early spring maybe for switch series six that we were mm-hmm. talking about um and then summer for series seven and i mean series eight's right around the corner and then not you know what i mean like but there are there are games for all of those which blows my mind like it's there are titles all we we have titles signed to 2024. We do, which is crazy. Like, I mean, there are so many cool things, and they're all like 
amazing and it's just blows my mind that we have, it sucks that we have to talk in code on the play gas but that's okay um but like it's just it's a cool cool place to be i think the fun thing is that we talk in code even with developers like we we were we talking do. with one of the the publishers for a series six title mm-hmm. and we were just like hey you're you're up with some amazing games that are part of your series and we we can't tell you what they are <laughs> when we did uh, i think it was series three when we did the series three direct we had uh, Eric uh, from Cathedral was mm-hmm. on our Q&A afterwards, and I was like, so what did you think of the, the titles you're paired with? And he was like, amazing. I'm buying Phenotopia right now. <laughs> it was so great. I <laughs> uh, uh, love it because they don't know either. It's a surprise for them. I mean, and, and, you know, technically, you know, we, we, um, we could talk with them because they're all under NDA, but it's kind of fun doing it that way too. <laughs> like, so if they really want to know, they can, but like yeah. most of them are, are happy to be surprised. Yeah. They watch the, the directs as well. Yeah. Then the fun. directs are fun. Like, um, honestly, I have a new phone now, so I might start doing some, uh, some vlogs and things because, um, there is a little bit of news for me, Barry, that you yes. all found out on our Christmas team call. Um, yep. I am actually going to be moving to Hawaii in six months, which is crazy. I'm only going there temporarily for a couple of years, but I'm going to be uh, stuck on an island. <laughs> so so that's going to change where like my last convention I'll be at will be Midwest Gaming Classic. Um, that might be like our homecoming convention every year. But after Midwest Gaming Classic, I'll be, you know, over in Hawaii um, doing doing the last couple years of my job before I'm retired out of out of my current line of work and then after that it'll be full blown the 5 year plan with premium where we start um you know expanding and things so we'll be uh underway which is pretty cool it's a pretty cool place to be we got lots of cool ideas after that but I'll be in Hawaii so that being said when I'm out there I might start doing some some vlogging vlogging or um maybe some I don't know maybe playing our games and streaming them and stuff i we'll, we'll see where the uh where it takes us but we gotta we'll grow our youtube channel a little bit i think yeah it'll be fun there's a lot of cool stuff on the horizon but yeah you'll be you'll be off on an island mm-hmm. and uh and the soaking up the sun while the rest of us <laughs> deal with the cold <laughs> yeah it's gonna be um super warm all the time it's gonna be ridiculous <laughs> but um yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna have to be a minimalist which is uh, interesting because of the theme of this uh, episode. It's actually a perfect segue, Barry. There you go. Yeah, because because I'm gonna have to uh, get rid of a lot of my collection. So um, so one topic that's been coming up recently, and that's what we want to make our focus is what counts as collecting a complete set for specifically the Nintendo Switch, but we're talking all video games. So like when it, when you're going for a a full set. What does that what does that seem like? What is what is that what counts as part of a main collection? Um the reason why it's interesting for us when it comes to Nintendo Switch is because of the modern era and the way that the Nintendo Switch is one of the biggest selling consoles of all time. It's getting up there, it keeps surpassing more and more consoles. Yeah. Um it is now to the point where people are trying to sub-compartmentalize what counts as an official Nintendo Switch collection and what does not. Um, previous systems, it was always like, all right, it has an ESRB. Um, that's what counts. 
Um, and now what we're seeing is further justification of they're trying to basically, uh, Barry, get rid of all of the limited print companies is what they're trying to do because the, the fear is because they're printing in such small of a quantity of games that in the future it's going to be near impossible to get a title such as a Super Blood Hockey or something that Premium Edition Games does or, you know, a Lovers in a Dangerous Space time from Super Rare, uh, which now is, has a re-release from, from Limited Run. Like, but, like, what counts? What doesn't count? Do you count doubles? But, like, that is the interesting piece, and we're going to do a, a deep dive and reference old systems where it's counterintuitive to logic and thinking. Um, as a disclaimer, everybody can collect however they want, Barry. <laughs> like and that's everyone the thing. should. Everybody should collect, and you can justify your collection however you want to justify your collection. However. If you say you have a complete collection, it needs to be a complete collection. If you say you have a complete English-speaking US-only or English-only collection, then you have a complete English-only collection. So a perfect example um, when we're talking English-only is, let's go back to the Nintendo Entertainment System. So if people are talking about a full set, full set collecting, um, so full set NTSC, some count stadium events and some don't because it's a multi-thousand dollar game, but it's the same game as track and field. just has a different title um, and a different pad for it. So do you count it? Do you not? Um, It depends. Um, The general agreed upon list does have stadium events and track and field separately. However, is that a complete Nintendo Entertainment System collection? Is it complete when you have PAL titles that are exclusive. You have Gimmick that was released in PAL territories. That's a full game that's completely playable. Is it complete when you have Famicom games, also Nintendo Entertainment System, just a different cartridge medium, which can be played with a with a little converter, um, one-to-one, no modifications required. Um, however, you have Galaxian on there. You have plenty of games that are able to be played by English-speaking players. Does is it complete if you don't have those? So that is the thing. So there's a rabbit hole you can go on, and then do you count aftermarket games? So games that were released after the final game was officially released on the Nintendo Entertainment System Famicom system. So you missed one huge category. What was the category I missed? Unlicensed, bootleg, unlicensed. No, unlicensed um, games that, that that were released during the time of the NES. Like and bootleg games that were released during the... Because, I mean, I wrote the NES Oddities in the Homebrew Revolution. And so that's where, like... So my complete NES book that I wrote was US NTSC games. All those games released on the collective list. The NES Oddities, I categorized it. And that book was three times the size of the complete NES book. Because it had everything else because the other pieces are do you count similar constructs similar um games for arcade systems like the play choice 10 
do you count that as it too? So there's where the rabbit hole gets crazy because then you can't play that on the NES, but it is the same exact coding and some of the ROMs are different, like on the Versus Super Mario Brothers, for example, arcade. That's still a Nintendo, or, you know, Nintendo system style, but it's a different game because um, some of the placement of the items is different. It has extra levels. So what counts and what does not count? Generally, I would say it needs to play on the console. Um... With or without modification is the other piece. So, like, for example, using the NES to Famicom cartridge converter. Um, that's a bit of a stretch, but you can buy the cartridge converter very affordably or take one out of an actual NES game to use, too. There You can make your own. Um, and still play natively those games on an NES without any kind of hardware modification to the console. Um, those unlicensed ones and bootleg ones honestly that one that one's a stretch because it wasn't officially approved by nintendo right but could be a sub compartment and that is the same thing with aftermarket games so nes homebrew games that people are making and releasing to this day those could fall into the bootleg unlicensed category the difference between a unlicensed game and a bootleg was generally a quality margin and region it was released in. And that's kind of how those were always justified online. Um, not to say that they're not technically the same category, though. Because if a game was released by Wisdom Tree or was released by Gluck, I don't know if you knew Gluck games or Gluck games, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's just where it was released. And the quality, the and the quality is subjective. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a way to categorize your collection into subcategories to, you know, kind of ensure that you can find as many as possible. It's always. I think I think that's the the key. There is the mm-hmm. subcategories. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of people will say. You know, they, they may not want to go for a whole system set, but they'll go for a full Mario set or a full Zelda set as a subset. And, with- and that's fun, too. And yeah. and so why we're only talking NES is because when we pivot this to modern, that's when things get interesting. Because you're going to see the exact same categories, Barry. So, well, there's another subset to the NES that's completely There's infinite different. subsets. The, oh, the Aladdin Deck Enhancer has its own little subset of, mm-hmm. of games. <laughs> That's not even a subset. That's an unlicensed release. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's for, for the NES. And it has its own cartridge-based yep. um, adapter system too. And you also have other games released by Aladdin outside of the Deck Enhancer. You have alternate versions that are cartridge only that are unlicensed yep. as well. The gold cartridges. Um, and then there's another subset, Barry, because of course there is. There's called the competition cartridges, like the oh, Nintendo God. World Championships, yep. which which you could get in two different ways: a mail away from Nintendo for the gold ones. And then the gray ones that were quote unquote earned at by competing in the competition. And then you have the other ones, like the Nintendo Campus Challenge for the NES, um, which was the NES version. And that one, there's only like a couple copies that were used at the competition that made its way out <laughs> into the wild. Like it is wild how many different weird and wild variants you have. Um, test center, the gold, the yellow Legend mm-hmm. of Zelda test cartridges. Like, there's an infinite category, Barry. <laughs> so that's where this is 100% parallels modern collecting. That's why Nintendo Entertainment System is a perfect segue because 
Now, when people are talking about the Switch, it's it's nothing new. People have been trying to do this forever. Now, they're utilizing a different thing. But my concern, and we, and I'm going to play devil's advocate, you'll play devil's advocate with the what people are talking about is, now you're trying to take away games that are officially approved by Nintendo for the U.S. market from your officially licensed collection. Because what they're trying to say, Barry, and this is what I've heard, is that if it's not released by a quote-unquote major company and didn't go to quote-unquote retail, it does not count. The other thing is if it doesn't have an ESRB on the front. So, um, which everything in the U.S. does have to have an ESRB on the front. Um, However, outer packaging doesn't necessarily have to depending if it goes to retail or not so if we sell something on our website it's not required to have like certain branding on the front and things versus it is required if it is going to retail however um we do like for example um for premium edition games if the the um the delimiting factor is that we don't collect these games if they don't go to retail. Well, just because what what defines retail? Because just because we're not at Target or Best Buy doesn't mean that you're not going to go into your local game store and come across the premium edition games title because we are at local game stores, Barry. I think when people say retail it's an outdated term yes. because the once the age of the internet picked up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's online retail. Amazon is considered retail, even though, you know, there's and, no... And we're on Amazon. And we're on Amazon. So and, that's the thing is like, what counts, what doesn't is what is going to be the delimiting factor that causes the flaw in that logic. Because if... What is considered retail? Oh, is it the size of the establishment now? Are we are we justifying that? Oh, Pink Gorilla isn't big enough, but Best Buy is because they're a major corporation. What happens when Best Buy stops carrying Switch games because they're going too soon? What happens if GameStop turns into only Funko Pops because it looks like it now? <laughs> um, it, really it really does. But that's the thing is like so. So what are we? What are we justifying here that it doesn't count? And of course we have a vested interest in our stuff counting because we're publishing it. But we're also going through the same wickets that Square Enix is when they're publishing their games to publish ours. Yeah, we yeah just, I think. Yeah, I think what what I've seen just in the past when people use the term retail mm-hmm. is a lot of them use it as justification. I'm not saying this is right or wrong, by the way, but they use it as justification to not purchase expensive titles. And my examples, exactly. I've got a couple. Um, one is the Sega Saturn, of course. Uh, Daytona Netlink was a mail away. And, mm-hmm. and in 1996, 97, 98, whatever, um, you know, the internet was in its infancy not a lot of people did it. Not a lot of people had a Saturn. Thus, the game is the most expensive game. And a lot of people use that as justification for not going for it for the set, uh, which is perfectly fine. Uh, it's like that asterisk. And Another also, system- though, half the Turbo Graphics was mail away. Yeah. Because Turbo uh, Direct was like a lot of games were Turbo Direct only. You can only order them from the catalog. 
Correct. Turbo because because just like now, it was cost prohibitive to sell in retail establishments. That's why companies are going to the online market. And as you mentioned, things are in a transitional evolution where mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense for premium edition games to st- to stock our games in a GameStop or a Best Buy where they're just going to put it on sale or throw them in the, you know, in the garbage or whatever if they're not going to sell according to their data metrics and not even ours. So why would we even go to those retail establishments? Another another example is the N-Gage. A lot of people may remember it as the side-talking taco phone, but the whole last year or so of the life of that system had mm-hmm. a great number of quality releases, but they weren't sold at GameStops because GameStop, they weren't selling, so GameStop wouldn't carry them anymore. So mm-hmm. they put them only on their website, and a lot of people had no idea that those existed. And of course, those are the most you know expensive titles now, but you had some good titles. X-Men Legends 2 was there, Catan was there, Civilization. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had some really great titles. So you know, does that count? They were ESRB rated. They were, yes. you know, official releases. You know, to to most engage collectors, yeah, they do because they were part of that release. And but- so that's exactly it. Is now because there's so many that it's going to be t- difficult. That means just don't choose to collect a full set then because it's a full set at that point. So the other piece is, and then where you go further down the rabbit hole is you have publishers that were previously at retail, just like you mentioned with the N-Gage, we're talking merge games. Some of their games were previously at retail. Now they're selling like distribution on Limited Run Games' website and other other websites too on their own like different websites and not going to traditional retail because it wasn't cost effective for them. And it makes sense. It's nothing wrong with that. They're going to make essentially make more money doing it themselves than if they had to follow the constructs of a you know a bigger retail establishment i'm not even saying retail because you could still sell it retail you just don't sell the big ones that are that haven't evolved their models yet i think a lot of people don't even realize when things go to quote-unquote retail there is a 20 percent of the cost when you buy a game goes to the distributor goes to the, the retail store. So or that's more. when, well, usually it's 20%. Um, and when you saw like Amazon and Best Buy and GameStop even, but mainly Amazon Best Buy, they used to have their club. You know, if you were Amazon Prime, you got 20% off pre-orders. If you were part of the Best Buy Elite, you got 20% off pre-orders. And the reason they would do that is that was their markup. They weren't making money on the games. And their hope was that by going in to buy those games with them, you, you buy something else. And that plan failed, and that's why those systems have been gone. But that's the key is that, you know, when you buy online, the developers get more money and that's the cool thing. But what mm-hmm. I've seen for the retail said another another later example, and I see this even to this day, is with the Vita. There are so many people that are going for a full set minus limited run because limited run A didn't have the ESRB with their Vita releases, at least their most of their early ones because they okay. didn't have to. Yeah. And B, they weren't sold at retail. And limited run is like half the Vita library. They did so <laughs> many for Vita. So I've seen people go, I've got a full you know, retail set and they say that minus the other half of the, the US library, which is limited run. Um, 
and that's fine too. That's well, what you want to go for. And if that's what they want to go for, it's still not going to be a complete Vita set because my thing is the other piece that I consider as a collector and as a gamer is interesting releases and yeah. worthwhile titles. And so the stuff that Limited Run put up on the Vita, the stuff that they're putting out on the Switch, the stuff that we're putting out on the Switch are interesting and worthwhile titles. So now, if you don't count it, okay, well, Phenotopia and Robot Name Fight from Premium Edition Games don't count, yet those are amazing titles, and now they don't count as a physical release. And it's like, uh, no, they absolutely count. Shantae doesn't count, Barry, for the physical releases. And it's like, yeah, that... That's probably I, not the right answer. Or Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, the limited run games put out, which is in my top five. Like, yeah, that's gonna count as a physical release. Like, I think I think that's where you see this whole retail thing coming back because it used to be, well, it doesn't have the ESRB. Like they retail mm-hmm. prior to the ESRB and then after ESRB, like that was the justification for the Vita. It was like, oh well, they're not ESRB ready. <clears throat> and now all of all of the games are well because so Nintendo requires it for it theirs. Does. Well, in the U.S. In the, well, obviously, I'm talking U.S. So, so now from from my perspective, though, and this is where the rabbit hole goes deep, and I know you are doing it, you know, this way essentially. Um, the Switch is region free, which means unlike PAL NES games, which don't play natively on a NTSC NES. Every game plays on the on the Switch, and the interesting games. There's a bunch that are exclusive to certain regions, yep. and so like I collect everything, and I actually into the point where if a Ease Eight before it got its reprint, if an Ease Eight is way more affordable in a PAL with a PAL version, and it still plays exactly the same, I'm okay getting that. PAL version because I have a crap ton of PAL games in my collection already so my spines are already all jacked up because the difference <laughs> is the spines are centered on PAL and on, on NTSC ones or ER, ESRB ones they're up near the top and you know they all have a spine consistency but like I at this point like I have all different types of regions, all different flavors, and it's really kind of cool. It's like a melting pot of everything is the Nintendo Switch. That's why I love the console. But I'm not a completionist collector, and I've even further subjugated my own collection by games that I'm probably never going to get to in a backlog. So I've started to put those away, and I've only kept on my shelf like my top games, and now I'm in like top like few hundred, 300 games or something that I have. But if you're going to collect everything, like it's because I think you're going for all unique titles with English or something, and then you will yep. upgrade based on ESRB to PAL. You have like a whole um, justification, yeah. right, Barry? Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing the full US base set mm-hmm. plus full English language for other regions. And I do ESRB. Uh, you know, as the as my primary, that's mm-hmm. the main. So if a game gets reprinted ESRB, I have to pick it up again. Then PAL, mm-hmm. then Asia, then you know China, then Japan, um, is the the so, order I so go China's in. So China's above Japan because usually Chinese uh, or like the Asian English, they're kind of Asian you know there's some does, Asian yeah. English with full Asia, like full English on the cover, and some Chinese have. You know, at least English on the spine or something like that, or the logo. You notice, I, I noticed that you didn't mention Australia, but I don't think there's any unique titles in there Australia. Are, and I do have Australia too. 
Yep, there are Australia exclusives. Okay. I didn't know if there but were any I, that were interesting, though, for me. I don't think there has been. Most of them yet. are rugby that are yeah. exclusive, so yeah. I have those. Yeah. Um, I know Farlap was originally exclusive, but I found that it came out in European regions, so I got the European version of that. Yeah, of I, I always jokingly say that's your self-licking wound because <laughs> you've done this to you, Barry, but <laughs> you're, you are going to have the most comprehensive collection out of anybody that I know for Nintendo Switch. You will, because nobody else is going to that level. Um, I haven't seen anybody out there because, like, there's old, I mean, even old members on the Playcast were, were doing stuff, but they weren't going the, to this route. Well, no, they're, they're going far beyond what I'm doing, actually, mm-hmm. just in terms of variants, because that's the crazy thing. But like, variants if, are, are a different <coughs> thing, though, baby. See, and that's when, when going for a set, like, I've done sets, for example, like when I did the Wii set, I was happy to get every game. Like, boom, I got all the games. And then it started to get down that. Well, do I go ra- variants? Do I get the Nintendo Selects versions? Do I get this version nope. has a sticker on the outside? And that's what I started doing because mm-hmm. uh, once I had the full set, I'm like, well, let me go for some variants. And we also had some disc variants. It was weird. Like the outer outside was the same, but they reprinted with different lit discs. So I have like disc variants that I've found over the years. Well, um, I mean, we know. <laughs> I mean, where where the switch could get crazy is not only cover variants which is just art which is cool i think that's awesome because we do them ourselves or we're doing first prints and second prints however they're cool and they're fun if you're doing a subset for doing everything though you got that plus you have multi-publisher releases so we mentioned lovers has a super rare release that's super limited now it's hard to get and then now limited run games has just done it for pre-order so you have two different versions um where it will be interesting is on the other piece is you have version upgrades and you can tell what those are by looking on the back of the box if it Uh. says in the code alpha bravo charlie my legend of zelda japanese breath of the wild with the dlc is golf g a b c d e f g seven (laughs) seventh release and now there's seven versions and 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 that's the thing though barry because we're behind the curtain that mm. does not mean that there were seven physical releases of Zelda Breath of the Wild. There might be, but that doesn't mean that because just because Alpha has a release, they could have went to Bravo and not released it physically and then went to Charlie and then yep. went to Delta and maybe skipped Echo and Foxtrot and then went to Gaul. Like they could do that, so there might only be four releases. So it becomes extremely complex trying to collect that way. Isn't I would Epsilon say. Not Echo? Huh? It's Echo. I think it, I thought it was Epsilon. I know my way of doing a military alphabet is the only way. That I <laughs> Remember, I got military brain for that stuff. You do. Yeah. You do. It is Echo. Um, <laughs> but that being said, um, it's you know that I I would only go for a variant if it was a significant change. So, for example, Game of the Year edition, where like Mortal Kombat, where it added a ton of extra characters, the complete collections, like for PS3 and stuff, I would get the complete version that has all the DLC characters because it costs more money. Um, that, to me, is is pretty cool. So you got like your Streets, uh, Streets of Rage 4, where they have like the, the newest version. I, if that's the final version, that's the one you want to get. And then I would... My own, I would probably sell the original so I have the best version, the final version, if they do that. Our games, we try to get it complete on car from, for, from the get-go. Um, then that's that's something where we saw this back NES, N64, etc., where there were cart revisions, but yep. 
but there was really no way to tell first off and second off. It's one of those cases where it's usually just bug fixes. But now you're getting cart revisions on the Switch that have full content. Like yes. my, my primary example is Mario Tennis. If you get the latest version of Mario Tennis Aces, it comes with over like double the roster of characters. And that's Metro unannounced, Mode. right? They didn't like put it on the they didn't put it on the case or nothing, right? Nope. It's unannounced. So that is you know, crazy. All those to characters me. were free downloads. So if you have the original release and you pop in your Switch and you download the latest update, you have those characters, which is great. It's taking up space on your Switch though. And mm-hmm. when the servers go down, those characters won't be there unless you've already previously downloaded them. But the newest release version mm-hmm. on cart has no download and all those characters are on the cart making it the complete version of the game and the one that's going to be desirable when the servers go down if you want to play with all those extra characters which why not yeah and that's the the crazy thing is that they unannounced they didn't announce it like you think they put a sticker on it or something and say hey with these new things to try to market it that way but no nope, nope, they just tossed it out like and there's so many examples of that happening oh, especially yeah. first party nintendo they just kind of quietly throw it out there um, I think there's to avoid backlash potentially. Um, you know, and they, this was this was also free DLC. This wasn't yeah. paid DLC. Now we've seen it with paid DLC with with the Zelda Breath, Breath of the Wild, Wild and, and Pokemon did it in in Japan had Splatoon as well, but it's not in English. But what you're seeing is when free DLC, there are other games from Nintendo with free DLC that people are looking for, and like Mario Strikers Battle League just had an update. If that's the final update. You know, a later cart's going to have those extra six characters. Um, you know, Mario Golf had updates. Like, all these games. Nintendo Switch Sports had golf. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if later cart versions of Nintendo Switch Sports have golf on the cart ready well, to go. And the thing that's interesting is, so say, like, from a produ- from a publisher standpoint, it's pretty easy, actually, to do a, a later revision. Because if we order the next you know, minimum amount of copies that we have to order for a version and there's a whole release. So say, you know, we did, I don't know if they were going to do an update to Cathedral um, and they put all, a DLC pack on there or something. And they're not, by the way, I'm just using an example, fake, a fake example. Um, but if they did that, um, all we do is select the newest patch and then it goes on the cartridge and, and it won't necessarily even update the version. number. It won't update the letter on the code. That's the other thing. If we don't upload a new version of the game, it won't even change the code. And then when we do a thousand more copies, it'll be on the cartridge. Um, if they do a new code, that means they put, re-put it through lot check. So if like that version of tennis has a new code on the back, that means that they did put it through the process again versus just selecting the newest patch. Because if you select the newest patch and put it, it on, it does a, have like if you flip over the cart, there is a different code. Yeah, the, which means they went through LaCheck and did that deliberately, and then yep. did not promote it, which is crazy to me. But like, there's another situation, like I was saying though, that it wouldn't even cost us any more money if it didn't upgrade the size of the card, and we just when we do a new printing, we just put the newest code on there or the newest uh, cart version, and that's another category for collecting to make it gross. So what counts? Good. What counts, Barry? I, I've I've seen people, you know, get mad when there's a new patch and it's just like a bug patch, like a quick thing. You know, oh, now it's no longer complete on cart. Like I need to find the latest one, and they're they're like obsessed with it. And that's mm-hmm. something like personally, I'm waiting till later on because there's could always be another patch, and I want to go crazy. Mm-hmm. But like Mario Tennis, they said was done, and I did I did pick it up. But there's always going to be that 
well, do you have the latest version? And, and the thing is, a lot of these games, if it's just a bug patch, you can play it. Like, mm-hmm. even Mario Tennis, you could play it without service, you can enjoy it. You're just missing part of the game. And that sucks. And that's well, where, digital... where, the, where the rabbit hole's also going to go crazy is, is there's something unique in Legend of Zelda Alpha that's different in Legend of Zelda Golf that is fun. of Time style? Yes, where they, did they remove something? And that goes for Multiple. every single game that's been released. Is has something unique been released? And then it's like, all right, so is that interesting enough to collect both? And so that's the level of craziness you have to go down, or you just enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other games too, like Bubble Bobble Forever, yes, and then the Baron back version, where they're both you know different content and stuff. Um, yeah, it exactly. I mean, the, heck, the, what was it? Um, <laughs> the physical release of um, Sonic Mania Plus. And then yep. they did a Sonic Mania release later because it's two different games. Yep, yep. They they, they altered stuff in Mania Plus. Uh, it it is an insane, insane rabbit hole. And the, the I mean, obviously, the important thing is to collect what you want to collect, play what you want to play. But I think it's but. really cool, and what makes the Nintendo Switch, especially the most interesting console to collect for that I can remember, because it's there's so many games, it's infinite, and I'm in your boat. Where, like, I'm collecting what's interesting to me right now. I'm actually scaling back when I'm purchasing just because, I mean, I have an impending move coming. But also, like, because, like, later on, if there's something I need, I'll find it. Like, it's all good. I don't need it immediately. Collecting in the now, like, you guys that are collecting, like, everything right now, that is wild to me. Because, like, I might kick myself in the in the butt if it's, like, a lover's style where I have to pay $400 for a damn game and it didn't get a reprint. Um, versus, like, all the rest where it's like, okay, well, I might luck out in a couple of these games I can get for, like, 20 bucks a piece. There's, there's so many facets to collecting that's crazy. Like, here, here's one that just happened. Just mm-hmm. happened. Uh-oh. Um, Crisis Core came out on the Switch and other systems. Yeah. At Best Buy... They offered a steelbook as a free bonus. Well, and you also collect all steelbooks, right? Steelbooks too, yeah. Yeah. So the steelbook is sold out. Like you, you go to the web, you go to their website. It says sold out. You can't order it, especially the the PlayStation Xbox size. Uh, if you go to a store, like I went to a physical store today, and they checked, and they said there are none here. There are none anywhere within the surrounding area, including New York City. Not a single one in New York City. Like that tells you, like holy crap. The there was there's a back door that I was able to do to get it, and that involved calling Best Buy, because someone suggested this on a group calling their number. You could apparently place orders over the phone. I did not know this. Give them the SKU, and they were all able to sell me the steel books, just the steel books over the phone that way, and they had to place an order over the phone. Uh, that's the craziness you have to go to sometimes to avoid eBay prices if you missed out. And it's it's insane to me that this is even a thing. <laughs> what was the um the retail for it for the steelbook? Ten dollars. And, and what is it going for eBay right now? Anywhere from seventy plus. Damn! So you saved like sixty bucks a full retail game. See, that's the thing. Like yep. as you're collecting in the now, though, you need to do those things because there's so many games coming out that you need to save ten bucks where you can because you might have to buy. 20 games this week because i mean we're seeing it limited <laughs> run is tossing games out every week like it's like it's going out of style like we're gonna run out and we're not gonna run out of digital games people no. Like, oh no we're near like 
I mean, we got, that's where it's like, I like that we're carefully curating things, but people Mm -hmm. like assume that we're going to go the same route as everyone else. And it's like, "Eh, not really. It's not fun for us. (laughs) But that's also why when we do our releases, we do our very best to make sure the final version of the game is on cart, Mm -hmm. including all DLC, whether it be free or paid, uh, because we want those games A, to be preserved and B, when you purchase the game, know that you are getting the complete game. And that's why we'll delay games and we've got games signed that they're still waiting for their final updates and we're not going to announce anything until they tell us it's done so barry what counts for collecting with nintendo switch what what counts because <laughs> the thing Whatever. is is like like should we create a <laughs> here is our premium play cash recommends for collecting because it could be whatever the hell you want that's the easy out but if we actually define it that's more fun <laughs> Well, I'd say if you're going for a full set, uh-huh. I'd say at least if you have one of every release for you, whatever country you're in, whatever whatever you want, at least one version. I'm not going to say like Sega did like the double packs. You don't necessarily need those. Um, mm-hmm. a variant covers, I'll tell you, I uh-huh. did variant covers. I've got boxes, boxes of variant covers because they don't fit on my shelf. They, that's extra. That's superfluous. So you're but, you going know, down every rabbit hole, but I let's, was. But so, so you know what the easy answer is, Barry? What? There's a certain author that created a book called The Switch Collector <laughs> that defined what the complete collection is. So literally, we, I categorized what is interesting enough for a, a complete set, and so Vime One and Vime Two. And then we have the subsets that are outside of that. So the Fosicles that don't have a damn oh. cartridge in it, those are separate. Those aren't even in the main section. Japanese games that do not have English do not count. Um, now, here's, speaking of the Fosicles, I'm curious you your thoughts on this buy one. them. You can. Um, okay, and yeah, they're, okay they're... Barry, so you can derail me before I finish this oh, explaining fine, go, to them. Go, go, go ahead. Go. No, ask the question, Barry. <laughs> All right, I was curious what your thoughts on this one in particular, because this one this is my the one I found mm-hmm. the most interesting for Fosicles. No, there's so, nothing interesting with the fake game. Listen, in, in Europe, a game was released called Ludo XXL. Sure. And it was a Fosicle game. It was a outside and a download code. In Germany, and only in Germany, the game was released prior to this, as the game Mensch, because that's what they call it in, in German, is Mensch. But inside is a cart with the label Ludo XXL, fully mm-hmm. playable in English. What so, do you think about that? <laughs> so we collect Mensch with the Ludo cartridge in it. That's what you collect, and then you can always have the variant cover that actually has the right name on it, or you custom print your own. But that is that is a game that would need to be collected if you want the full set, if it's playable in English. Yeah, I, um, I got both, the, and I put the, the Ludo cover over the mint. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a little bit of a a stretch getting both. I would just keep the mint one and put it on the on the shelf, um, keep it sealed. Um, but because I would want to play it, Ludo's fun, but it's is it fun? <laughs> it's, a, it's a board game. I mean, yeah. it's a fun. It's on that it's on that fifty two and one game, <laughs> the clubhouse yeah. games. So clubhouse it's games. yeah, exactly. So I just play the clubhouse games version. Um, but. That being said, no, that's that's then not a Fosical because it actually is a physical. So there's nothing really interesting to me about Fosicals um, because otherwise you go down the rabbit hole of, all right, do you count the cards that have a digital code on them because there's some unique games that are actually interesting that don't have a physical release currently that are card only at a Target 
Like, oh, no. And, and no. So I didn't even have a case. But that that's how deep the rabbit hole goes. So in the book, though, so I we don't count the physicals. We don't count digital only, obviously, because it has its own section. We would like those to get a physical. And then you don't count the Japanese and other language only games. So there's a German game. There's a you know a couple German Unless like, you're shows. listening to this and you the German's your native language. <laughs> it counts I mean, you. it counts for you. But I'm counting as, you know, US based because we live in the United States, Barry. Yeah. Um so um that being said, everything else though is going to be listed out in the Switch Collector. So I went all the way down every region and going in order of release. So we count everything that includes i am setsuna in year one because that is a very awesome game and it is a physical release that's fully playable in english that was released year one um to me that is day one hell yeah and and to me that counts so that's to me and that is going into a book construct however um i would fully support only doing ESRB US for a full US set. Because we're calling it a US set, right? That's when we're talking about the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the US set. Um, to do the full US set, ESRB. Further compart- uh. my, compartmentalizing it out, I would say is, is just a stretch to me. Collecting, you know, since the 80s, Further compartmentalizing it out does not fall in alignment with any U.S. set collecting because Nintendo of America has authorized every single one of those games to be published on their console. If Nintendo of America authorizes it, it counts as the U.S. set because on the Nintendo Entertainment System, you don't count the Tengens and the unlicensed games as part of the officially licensed U.S. set. So that is where, like, the Switch Collector is great. It's going to have everything. It's going to be awesome. I'm crazy for doing it that way, by the way. I should have further compartmentalized it out, Barry. I can't even speak because it's so crazy. But I should have, but I didn't. I would I would not have removed the limited companies. Um, and the other thing is, I also didn't do the complete US set in the Switch Collector because I don't want to eliminate the super rare games because they do awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's your I question, question. Barry. I wanted you to do you, your question. You, you, you're talking about the full you know, US, US set. Mm-hmm. US set. Now, now, how do you, or, or where would you put? Canadian and Mexican exclusive games that are in English ESRB rated because they're also mm-hmm. ESRB NTSC Correct. releases. Because so how that works, this goes back to the Super Nintendo where they don't technically count Super Copa as part of the US set for the Super Nintendo, whereas I 100% have that in my book because it is an actual release of NTSC. Um, so the key is, is that it's availability. It's, it's all going in the switch collector. So absolutely it counts for, for Mexico and Canada because it's North American releases. It's not us. It's North American set though. So that's where you go. Like, are you doing United States only? Are you doing North America? You doing South America too? You have the Brazilian releases in there. I think it's interesting. I mean, heck like will we work with, developers all across the world but then yet we publish in the u.s 
Yep. You know what I mean? So, like, you can further compartmentalize it out to only U.S. developed games. United oh, States God. only. Like, that would be insane. And, and you would have to look into every single developer. <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't be playing any Nintendo games then. <laughs> I mean, Nintendo, for, Nintendo of Japan is a Japanese company, so that's being ridiculous. Um, but basically, why we talk U.S. sets is because that is where the vocal majority, or vocal minority, we'll say, of um, collectors that have justified the Nintendo Entertainment System were from. There are plenty of collectors in Europe. And here's the thing. Like, their collections are just as cool. Like, I think it's awesome. And that's why in the Switch Collector, I cover everything, though, because it's, to me, it's interesting. I'm not going to just include one region because the switch is region free i could pop in the game right now no issues and play it like with no modification no extra account creation um the only difference is though is if i want to do an update on a cartridge that's from a different region you have to have a different region account to be able to properly update it which is a pain um but if they're doing complete on cart like we like then it's not an issue so exactly that would be it. So, so if you are a hard-nosed, ugly American collector, <laughs> you're going to want an official U.S. set. If you try to compartmentalize it out any further, who's to say comes to play? That was an old video game BS, video game bullshit podcast. We say, who's to say? Who's to say that Premium Edition Games isn't in retail? Who's to say that there aren't certain limited run games releases that are in Best Buy? Because there are. So do only those couple titles count for a complete set if you're trying to further justify as to major retail outlets only? I I don't buy it. There are too many interesting games that are not in retail. Um, and it's really, you hit it, the nail right on the head, Barry, when you said it's just people trying to just to remove games that they perceive might be rare in the future. Yep. They want to make it easier to collect. The Switch ain't easy. It ain't the Wii U, people. Like, Switch ain't easy. Oh, my God. The Switch is not easy. Switch ain't easy, man. And that's the thing. People thought the Switch were going to be easy. I mean, that was year one of the Playcast. That's why you got into it. That's why, you know, other people got into it. And it's not easy. But I will tell you, it is awesome. It's fun. Oh, it's so much fun. It's the (laughs) coolest it's the coolest one because we're getting so many weird and wild ports all over the place. And because it's cartridge based, it got a reinvigoration from physical media with companies like us putting forth like crazy additions and doing fun. Um, those of you though, my hat's off. Those of you that are trying to do full collectors editions. Good luck. Cause that's that. that rabbit hole is, is insane. Now subsets. I like like doing ones that are consistent, like where where our retro boxes are all the same. That's why we do the same size retro boxes. That's fun. Um, But going down the rabbit hole of those giant big helmets and stuff, that's not what I'm about. That's for sure. It would have to be a series, like you were saying, like a Mario or a Zelda or something. Then I'm cool with it because I have a Zelda Breath of the Wild collector's edition. Not the biggest one, but the coolest looking one, which was the, the special edition version. I got the Master Edition, and I opened it and played it, and I'm so I'm actually staring at the Master Sword statue now. I have it out. And that's um, cool. And I, I, mean, I don't care about the that, value. I bought it that, of Zelda. But that box isn't as interesting as the Special Edition box, which looks cooler on display for me. So for you know, me, it's, it's cooler. 
Well, I don't. I don't have the box in display. I have it sitting in a storage room. It's one of the few boxes I've kept. But I've only kept it because of the value, and I hate that because otherwise I just would have recycled it. It's a big ass box. I don't need it. Yeah. But because of the perceived value now, it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> well, there's perceived value in a lot of that stuff if you recycled it, Barry. And there'll be the oh, and we'll we'll talk like ten years down the line. When we're still recording the premium edition. Maybe Switch Mania Playcast. <laughs> we'll be like, hey Barry, so which what regrets do you have of uh box recycling? Oh and you'll be like, I, Oh my god, no. I gutted so many collector's edition boxes. <laughs> but over here's the years. But here's the thing. You had no space. Like, what are you gonna no do? Space. I mean now I recycle or donate to another collector. I'd reach out and if nobody's interested at the time, then but, it was too many wait, it was a hundred or so boxes. Yeah, you just empty do, boxes. Hey, I got all this stuff. I've, you you know, gotta pick I it have, up. I have some CE stuff that I put like on eBay for like ten bucks, like whatever. Just and they're still sitting there. So I'm yeah, like, whatever. That's, I, I would just do a pickup and be like, hey, you come get it or not, and somebody will want it. Like, or just take it to a to a convention, truck it yeah. once, and then it's like I tried, y'all didn't want it. <laughs> but taking it to the convention means I have to fill up my car with that versus games I would want to sell. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to strap it to your roof because it's shit's big. It's just empty cardboard boxes. That's all it is. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I. The thing is though, is that I've I very um very much so curate my my collecting now. Um, I mean, I really only have on display because I had a I had a flooding in my game room since the last recording, which is crazy. But I only have on display Turbo and and Switch now. Turbo Graphics sixteen and Switch. My Neo Geo stuff's put away. Um, it's sad times. I gotta get ready for a move, anyways. But like, luckily, it, I had a lot of stuff that I was able to salvage. But like, there's some some major damage that happened. Sucks. All my stuff now is going to museum pieces, as opposed to, you know, bigger games. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like there are games like I could say, hey, I could go ahead and buy a, a rarer game that I don't have. Um, but I'd rather find a rare system or a rare handheld that I'm missing and, and just put the money there, like something that to me that you don't see every day that takes a while to find like that's that's really what gets me excited now versus you know oh i got you know Panzer dragoon saga yeah you know like it's a great game but it's it's Mm -hmm. to me you could if you can go on ebay and you can find them even though they're expensive they're expensive they're not necessarily rare to me i like i look at the when i'm going to all these conventions because we go around uh to convention stuff i look for interesting stuff so like to me like finding the guy with the light up Nintendo Switch signs That's at, cool. at the one. That was cool. And then he has swappable magnetic plates and he's making one for premium edition games. And it's like, I'm going to have one with our branding on it. That's cool. When we had the Switch kiosk, you know, I have the, the kiosk in there and then I put our own marquee of games in there, which is that's fun. Like it's doing customization, having stuff that people make. Um, there's like resin molded different, really cool things. Like I have the prayer statue from Zelda breath of the wild that I found at a classic game fest a couple years ago. That was really awesome. It's fun. It's, I got a Dr. Wiley piece that was part of a chess set or something. That's Dr. Wiley molded cast molded. Um, there's people that are doing fun stuff with 3d printing. Whereas like a, Zelda Shrine that I have this 3D printed. Um, it's like really, really fun, talented things. Um, there's one guy that does, he did the uh, pin switch uh, that we talked about like a couple years ago on the Playcast. He now has done an arcade for the Nintendo Switch that has original tiny little buttons and you can cool. put your Switch on it. And I, I got one of those arcades. It was like 100 bucks or something. That's the stuff that I'm finding that just 
add fun to what we're doing. And that's, that's the cool. best part is that it's you. It's what you what what excites mm-hmm. you. What you know you enjoy. And the, the, the don't let anyone say my collection, your 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 collection, whatever isn't as good or isn't mm-hmm. you know whatever. Like just and it don't need to be big. It don't it need to be big. big. It nope. doesn't have to be even official. Like the Mm-mm. the stuff Jeff's talking about is it's not official. It's done it's by cool. you know fans. It's cool. Just do that. Just just do what excites you. What looks what looks nice. You could have a poster on the wall, and it could be official poster from like Nintendo Power, or it could just be someone who's just really good at drawing. Like it doesn't matter. It just you know put the poster well, and, up and to me enjoy. it's like the signs make it cool too so now i got the nintendo switch sign on the top of my collection that has it just says switch but then there's games around it just adds a little bit to it on the top where i have games i got these uh 3d printed it was at a convention uh bookends that are switch logos and it's just so it holds them in place so they don't fall um because it's a, on the top of the shelf and it gives me one extra level of Switch games I can display. But it adds to it, because now there's little Switch logos up there, too. It just looks impressive. And um, it's Kyle's been sending me, uh, from old Video Game Bullshit podcast, he's been sending me metal signs that people are printing online. But I got a metal TurboGrafx-16 one on the top of my TurboGrafx-16 collection. And it's right next to a Splatterhouse picture I got at Midwest Gaming Classic that's 3D, where they printed off it multiple times and layered it. So it's like a 3D Splatterhouse thing that adds to my TurboGrafx-16 collection. And then on top of it, uh, Chris Bushi finally finished his DVD series of the TurboViews. So I got that box set with my TurboGrafx-16 collection that ta- he does reviews on every single game. And it's on DVD. So it's just like little fun tidbits that add context to it and i don't go for every turbo graphics 16 game it's actually ones that i came across in the wild and i have like a good 40 50 games now i purposely am not buying online unless it's something that's like aftermarket like a homebrew or something that comes out but like everything else i found in person and i have japanese games i have crazy stuff i have a sealed lords of thunder for the turbo graphics 16 that i came across in the wild that's so awesome. <laughs> that was at Retro World Expo like five years ago. And they, like, a guy had a complete sealed collection. Um, and then he also had a Newtopia 2 that I have. Um, but, and he also had the custom case that came with it too. So he actually made custom uh, jewel cases for the few that never had a jewel case because Newtopia 2 was cardboard only. Um, so... Yeah, I, I got that. So I, I got some unique stuff for that. So that's like an interesting little tidbit. And I've never done a turbo book, Barry. <laughs> Yet. 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 Well, I'm trying to get that damn Genesis one done. I got, I got NES first, finished that, the definitive NES, and then Genesis, and then Turbo, as I'm still doing Switch Collector every year, because I'm working on year three right now as we speak. Because um, year, um, year two, part two, or volume two, part two, is in printing. So I look forward to next year mm-hmm. when you do the the photos of you doing production or doing, you know, writing the you know, Switch Collector volume four, whatever, with a picture, like, you know, where you can see outside and you see the palm trees and the beautiful sun to caption it, like, feel bad for me, you know? <laughs> Hardship. <laughs> That's the thing, though, is that, like, it's literally fun to do all this stuff and create all the different collector's books. I'm doing, you know, a bridge now, which is less summary writing and more interesting writing and that's all the abridged is because i realized i was like all right so there's some fun stuff in the switch collector but it's really just synopsis of the games you can google that so it's 
what I'm removing, which is going to greatly streamline things, is actually not removing anything that's unique. And then all the stories are still there. So, like, that's what it's going to focus on is the personal stories and the fun stuff in the books. Um, and then the Black Box Challenge book's almost done, Barry. I think it was cool. Nice. I think it was cool. But um, I think that's a good time to put a bow on things. What do you think? Um, we defined it a little bit. We didn't really tell anybody. Uh, collect Barry's, Barry says collect everything, everyone. Be like him. Sure, don't. Don't, 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 don't. I'm saying don't, don't be like <laughs> Don't him. be like Barry. And don't be like the crazier people who collect variants. Like, Jesus. Like, no, please no. No, um, like, honestly, though, if we can say anything out of this, is that collect what you want. However, if somebody tells you something doesn't count, um, they need to know the details because, I mean, we can absolutely tear that apart. So if you think that our justification is wrong, you can leave us a message on Anchor.fm or in our Discord. You know, leave us a comment. But, I mean, who's to say is going to come to play, Barry? Like, it's, okay, we're not going to justify it if it hasn't been in retail. Well, then you're eliminating a lot of stuff because I guarantee some major published major publishers have put stuff that's been only online releases now at this point. I mean, think about it. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that there may even in the future be like NIS America is going to maybe not release some of their stuff because like they can get better results on their website. Like, cause I mean, what was it? There was some web, some stuff where you could only get the goodies on their website when it came to like some of the different companies. Like what was it? Um, was a tiny barbarian dx you could get in in uh gamestop but then like later releases by that company um what was the who was the publisher of nicholas uh later on though i think some of the stuff was exclusive to their website and some of the goodies so then like it became okay so they're selling the goodies they're not going to have at the gamestops because the gamestop isn't going to carry them but you get them from their website um and so I think one of the last really cool things that they had was that little infinity cube that came with the, was it crystal crisis or something? Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the, the, the interesting ones, but I would assume that even a company like that is going to, you know, move toward an online only construct because, you know, it just makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah I, you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. So Walmart could die next week or whatever. <laughs> and 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 of course to you know to to be you know frank, of course we're going to want our games counted. <laughs> Why wouldn't we? <laughs> but they do because Nintendo approved them. Everyone, if Nintendo approves it, it counts. That's the thing. Later on, if there becomes a bootleg scene, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be wild, Barry. I don't want to see that. <laughs> Oh my god! It's gosh. a whole new ball game. I mean, because you're thinking about that'll be the aftermarket after there is a whole new medium produced for the system. Because I want to say with the DS, the Ace cards were already out, and they had already broke that down before the 3DS came out, right? Because I'm pretty sure I had an Ace card that could play a micro SD card and put ROMs on that crap before the 3DS came out. So they had not, they have not, nobody's done that with the Switch, which is great because like bootlegs is always a pain. But like, we also haven't really seen any interesting DS aftermarket stuff. Like, I've seen some hacks and bootlegs of Pokemon games, 
but like I haven't seen any like oh well here is I've seen translations which has been interesting like of um, Game Center CX two which is Retro Game Challenge two um, which I think Tristan did some cool packaging like a manual for one of those in, in the past which is awesome but I haven't seen any interesting like unique games right so that's where I think it'll be interesting because with the Switch I mean. How many digital only games are there? <laughs> oh God, you're thousands. <laughs> so I mean, after the Switch is no longer retail and they've moved on to whatever Nintendo is going to do in the future, and it's not backward compatible, where they're still producing it. Um, because if Switch Two is backward compatible, they're still going to be producing Switch cartridges until there's no longer a demand which means that us as a publisher could continue to do Switch releases until there's no longer the ability to make them. The 3DS just went offline. So um, the Wii U just went offline um, for publishing. So it's one of those things where once that's done, if people figure out how to replicate those cartridges, like, oh my gosh, imagine the floodgates, Barry. The aftermarket scene would be nuts because the NES is crazy. Like trying to do NES aftermarket now is is near impossible. It's why in the definitive complete Nintendo Entertainment System book that I'm doing, I'm doing highlights of some of the notable aftermarket releases, homebrew releases. Uh, because trying to do, I did a comprehensive book in back you know, five six years ago, and now NES Maker has started, which is then exponentially offered the uh, gamers an opportunity to release their games easily on the Nintendo. Um, so it's, there's so many games now and it's great, but like categorizing that all is, is insane. And hopefully somebody else can take up my mantle of insanity for that. Cause Jeff ain't doing it, <laughs> but not. imagine aftermarket switch though. Oh my gosh, that would be crazy. Like, we won't be doing it because we're licensed, but mm, craziness. Fun. Um, is there anything you think we missed or should we follow up on or anything crazy? I think we're pretty good. I think we, we covered all bases, but if you feel that something was missed and you're listening to this and going, you didn't talk about this or what about this, leave mm-hmm. us a comment on Anchor or in Discord. Let us know. Yeah, I mean, Premium Edition Games Discord, which is right off our website. You can find the link, um, anchor.fm. Um, you can definitely leave a voice message, which is hilarious. We'll play it live on the next one, um, which is usually like Barry's awesome and Jeff is crazy. It's usually how those go, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> usually it's the opposite. No. <laughs> but either way, though, I mean, the playcast is fun. I wish we had more time to record. We, I would do this weekly if we could, but it's it's like I mentioned, we were doing five-hour calls, Tristan and I, with developers all week for the past couple weeks. Um, we've been having game developer and publisher talks like we're we got some cool stuff coming and that's exciting but it does take away from podcasting time unfortunately um because i mean we do also have families and and work to do too Uh, it's not premium so it is um it is really cool best hobby in the world i love it hopefully it stays a hobby forever (laughs) it's like crazy that as a a big serious publisher for Nintendo Switch were able to keep it as a fun interactive hobby. Otherwise we'd go crazy if we didn't. Mm-mm. And that's the thing. It's gonna gotta be fun. 
and we're gonna keep it fun. That's about what premium is about. Um, another interesting topic, which will be for the next one, is we are currently talking mascots. Um, and by the way, I have all notifications turned off on this thing, and I had a pop up from Adobe Creative Cloud, who still had a, a chime come in. On interesting. My, on, yeah, interesting. Hmm. Um, but um, we're looking at a, mo- a mascot for premium edition games, um, something that encapsulates fun. So that's what we're looking at. It's just like us having a good time and fun. So um, it came from our marketing team, and they're like, "Hey, we don't really have a, you know something to anchor onto." It's Anchor.fm, but um, you know, they, and they were mentioning a bunch of different uh, different brands that have a mascot or something. And so we're looking into it. Um, we were looking into potentially um, different logos and things for rebranding, and I think. You know, Barry was an advocate of keeping what we have, which I love. So I was fine with that <laughs> with premium edition games. Um, and then kind of applying unique things like our Nintendo Power themed logo that we use on retro stuff is themed to a release to a retro version or something. But our premium logo is our premium logo. I think that's cool, Barry. I like it when it's used for specialized things like, like you know, that for the uh, robot guide. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. What was the craziest one we saw so far from from recommendation? What was it the the premium parrot? <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Oh my gosh! We've <sighs> seen some interesting suggestions. What was the, the quality <laughs> koala? Like it's quality. like <laughs> like it's ridiculousness. I said let's do a cool tiki theme because we have an artist that can do some awesome tiki stuff, and then you said have like an Indiana Jones style hat where we're curating games and saving them. And then Tiki is all about fun. And then what's cool about Tiki is, is you can sit there and the designs can be like retro gaming themed. So I was like, all of that sounds really cool. And then you add like a little eighties, nineties swagger to it with some shades or something. And then you got, you got uh, us in a nutshell, right? (laughs) And then what was it? Like there was a whole lot of Frankenberries talks too. Oh yeah, <laughs> Barry. You're like, let's not name it after team members. You just try to get everybody <laughs> off of Frankenberries. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Well, so I think funny. I think it's important to not name it after team members because we're a team and not singling out one person. We do uh, the pirate theme because we're PEG Peg, right? Pirates. Uh, okay. Yeah, like you no. Know, the, the key is though is we want something that we can kind of like theme or apply to everything. Um, and so one thing that one of our artists mentioned to me offline was is like a tiki theme can be applied to anything, uh, because you can do a tiki version of any of our games. Even you can kind of like stylize it and then you can kind of design the character off of anything too. So it's like, it's kind of cool. Um, I do like that. And you know, Hawaii is Polynesian, which is tiki. So that's cool. <laughs> I didn't even think about that till later. I was like, Oh yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, but it's all about fun. That's what we want. So if anybody else has any ideas, any listeners, any of the, you know, you have an idea, leave a message on Anchor.fm or go on our Premium Edition Games Discord and say, hey, because um, I, I assume that we're eventually going to have a, a chat going on in our Discord talking about this with, with everybody. Because we're doing it in our, like, our staff chat right now. But... I think we should open it up to everyone and just get crazy ideas out there and see what people have. Um, say what we're leaning toward. Maybe we just give them a poll with some options. Paulie mm. the Paulie the premium parrot. <laughs> so, well, we we should still have final say because if 
Oh, we're still like, gonna have final say like, no matter what. Like remember the the incident with Bodie McBoatface or whatever, where they did a poll to name a, a boat, and that was the winning thing. So they had to name this your christen this ship as Bodie McBoatface. Oh no, this will be this will be like a um a recommendations thing. But in the end, like it still has to make sense from a branding perspective. Like for example, if somebody wanted to do something that was like like lewd. Like, we probably wouldn't use that because, you know, we do have games that are sold to kids. So we wouldn't be able to get an ESRB rating of E for everyone if it was like a, a big boobed girl or something. <laughs> yeah. With cleavage showing or something like that. It would be like, okay, well, we really can't do that. Also, like, we have, you know, plenty of customers and gamers that are female, and we have team members that are female. So, like, obviously, we don't want to, you know, subjugate anyone. So, like, so obviously, we would have to have final say. But, um, I like ideas of making something that's fun, and that's that's basically it. Because like, uh, and something we could put on a patch, honestly. Like, it's, <laughs> the tiki guy that's could be true. wearing a wearing a cut, wearing a vest, with patches on. It. That would be hilarious. Um, so are we ready to uh, wrap it up, Barry? I where, think we are. Where can they find you, Barry? Find me on Twitter at Hawkhellfire. You could also find me on Facebook and on YouTube. At Nintendo Fuse, you can always find me at the Premium Edition Games Discord, as well as support email should you have any issues. What about you, Jeff? So, I mean, you can find me in the Discord. I am there. You can tag me if you really need to get my my attention. (laughs) And I am in the Twitter at Hagen's Alley. So, I am there. So, um, that's the only spot I'm at on social media nowadays. Um, Pretty soon, I think, Barry, you're going to be dancing on TikTok, right? No. <laughs> that is one thing that's funny though is that our TikTok gets so many likes yet uh Frank and um Joe hate doing TikTok. It's so funny cuz it's like, well, that's where a lot of people are at. Um honestly, I think I'm going to do some YouTube shorts once I get to Hawaii and have some fun stuff with Premium. Um but anyways, everyone, thank you for listening and we will see you next time, probably next year. Happy New Year. Awesome, next year. That's true. Have a good one everybody. Happy holidays.